0: Well, Happy Easter to you. Today, over one billion people around the world are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, That's a lot of people. And uh, they are celebrating it not just because it happened, but because of what it means to them 2,000 years later. We want to talk about that a little bit this morning. And uh, so we've entitled the message... Why celebrate the resurrection of Jesus? And um, first of all, I want us to take a few moments to just to think about that. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, like, I just take time to try to think and evaluate what would my life be like if Jesus had not come to earth, if he had not humbled himself and become obedient to death, even death on a cross. And this week I've been thinking about, well, how would my life be different if he was not raised from the dead? Today we celebrate the resurrection for a number of reasons. We're going to talk about them together. And the first is because of what it means. Because of what it means. The first thing that it means is Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is who he claimed to be. Um, Among other things that he claimed, he claimed, I am the living water, I am the bread of life. And then he said to her, meaning Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. He made this strange proclamation a short time before his own death and resurrection. His friend Lazarus has died at Bethany. And he's gone there to try to comfort the family. Uh, Martha meets him and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And his response to her was, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. I am the resurrection and the life. That's quite a statement. Of what does it mean? It is a claim that he has authority over death, that he has authority over the grave. In John 14, verse 16, or 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the source of life. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied that when Messiah came, among other things, he would heal the sick. He would make the blind to see, lame to walk. He would feed the multitudes. He would do all of these things, and Jesus did all those things as predicted. But when it came to Lazarus in John chapter 11, he not only made a claim, he demonstrated he had the power over death and had the power over the grave because he went to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out alive, and he'd been dead for four days. And what happened was the Pharisees and the scribes up in Jerusalem heard of what had happened, so they sent down an investigative team to find out for themselves. And sure enough, when they got there, what did they find? They found Lazarus alive and well. And there was a definite, unmistakable, irrefutable evidence that Jesus had the power over life and death, that he was who he claimed to be. He was the life. It also means Jesus has the power he claimed to have. In Matthew twenty eight, eighteen, Jesus told his disciples after his resurrection, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Earlier he had told them, in John ten, verse eighteen, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received. From my father. Jesus claimed to have the power over death, and he demonstrated it through his resurrection. The Romans crucified him. They put him in a stone tomb. They sealed the tomb with a rock that probably weighed at least a ton. They posted a guard outside. Why? Because he had predicted that he would rise from the dead. So they took these precautions to make sure that that wouldn't happen. Or that no one would claim that he was risen, but that they they had stolen the body. But then they would claim that he had risen from the dead. Well, first of all, they would have the same problems. They would be confronted by a stone that weighed over a ton. They would be confronted by the guards who were sent there to protect uh, the body of Jesus from robbery But amazingly because he had predicted that he would rise from the dead and they were afraid that he would why were they afraid that he would because they saw the evidence of Lazarus at Bethany just a few days before it's interesting as you read through the Gospels you find that the whole interaction behind the scenes, changes with the resurrection of Lazarus. The scene changes. The uh, drama changes. It gets ratcheted up a notch after uh, after the resurrection of Lazarus because they know that he has power that he claims to have. They don't know what to do with it. So their answer is, well, let's make sure we put him to death and we do it soon. What does it mean? It means Jesus is who he claims to be. He has the power he claimed to have, but also that he promises to do. He does what he promises to do. In Mark ten thirty four, Jesus said to his disciples, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, which is a reference to the Messiah, meaning himself, will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. In three days he will rise. What Jesus telling his disciples, they're going to kill me, but after three days I'm coming back. I'll be back. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 5 and 6, This is a wrong verse, but it's, if you read the proper passage in Matthew 28, you find in verses 5 and 6, the angel said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. He is risen, and then he, the angel said these words, Just as he said. He promised that he would rise, and he has. Just as he said that he would. It means that Jesus is who He claimed to be. It means that he has the power he claimed to have. And it means that he does what he promises to do. There are things that Jesus has promised to do in this world. One of those is to come back again. And he will. Because Jesus does what he promises to do. Why celebrate the resurrection? Because of what it means. Number two, because it matters in my life. In other words, the resurrection is just not a combination of historical facts, but it is a historical fact that has practical results that touch my life today. Two thousand years later. I can say in my life there are certain things are true because Jesus arose 2,000 years ago. that make sense to you? It's not some, just some disconnected fact or historical act. It has far-reaching ramifications upon our lives. The first that I thought of as I meditated on this week, and we talked a little bit about it during communion today, is that my past can be forgiven. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means me. That means you. We've all sinned. We've all said things. We've all done things. We've all thought things that were an offense to a holy God. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14 say, When we... Were dead when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, He took it away, nailing it to the cross. As I said earlier, when Jesus died he paid the price that God's justice demanded for sin. And his payment was a holy, sufficient sacrifice that satisfied God's justice. Therefore, in Romans 8 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God gives us a clean slate. How many of you are old enough to remember Etch-A-Sketch? You know, you would drive something, with turn these little knobs. That used to be the, that was the forerunner in video games. And uh, when you were all done doing what you were trying to do with the Etch-A-Sketch, how would you start over? You'd take that thing and you'd, you'd shake it up and... And all the things you'd drawn with those little knobs was gone. God gives us a clean slate. We get a chance to start over with the Lord. And again, Romans 4.25 says that he was raised for our justification. His resurrection was the proof, the indication, that his righteous sacrifice for sin had satisfied a holy God. So, the practical, one of the practical reasons why we celebrate the resurrection is because our sins can be forgiven. The second is my present problems can be managed. My present problems can be managed. Any of you have problems? I bet you do. Could be physical, could be financial. Probably relational, probably all some of those running around. Have you realized that you can't manage everything that happens to you? Sometimes you're overwhelmed by them. You may say, well, I've been diagnosed with a serious illness. I feel overwhelmed by that. I feel that uh, feel powerless to get out of debt. The relationships in my life are all messed up. I don't know what to do about them. Well, I have news for you. You were never meant to handle all the problems of your life on your own. You were never meant to. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, I read these words of the Apostle Paul, speaking of God and his power, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. He talks about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. It's there; He's there to help us to give us his power to overcome things. God's power is available to me. I don't have to face all these things by myself. If Jesus were not raised, I wouldn't know that for sure. He is a living Savior. If he were still in the grave, I would have no assurance of his presence in my life today. Then in Philippians 4 13, the Apostle Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The Apostle Paul wrote these words from a Roman prison. He had been imprisoned because of his belief in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and his refusal to bow his knee to the emperor. And even there in that situation, he says, I can do everything through him. Who gives me strength. I know what it's like to have more than I need. I know what it's like to have not enough. I know what it's like to have plenty and to have little. I've learned to be content. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Because Jesus is alive, I can know he's with me. And his power is available to me to enable me to deal with the stuff I have to deal with. Where do you go f- for power? For the stuff of your life. Where do you go for help? Well, I run to the latest guru. I saw him on TV last week. Well, you know, if you wait long enough, you'll find out that that famous guru has. Problems of his own that he can't solve. There's only one who's available to us who can deal with the issues life, of life out of, position of, out of a position of strength, and that is God. I'm going to celebrate Easter this year because of what it means to me personally, because I, know, I can know my sins are forgiven, and I can know that my present problems can be managed. I can also know that my future can be secured. When you think about the future, what comes to mind? What comes to your mind? Preparing for your kids' college, preparing for retirement. You know, we don't like to talk much about death. Very few of us have ever, shown, have ever thrown a block party to invite people to come over and discuss death. We call it a thanatopsis party. When's the last time you invited a life insurance agent to come over without him initiating the contact? No, we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to see it as being inevitable. We like to push it off to some nebulous, undefined time in the future. It's probably after I'm 90 years of age. But God tells us that death is inevitable. But did you know that you can prepare for eternity today? Today. You don't have to wait till you're dying. You don't even have to wait till you're old. You can do it today. Your eternity can be secured. Romans 6:23 says for the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But the gift of God is eternal life in or through Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a gift to us. God offers it to us through the Lord Jesus. And by accepting that gift, we can secure our eternity. John 17, 3, Jesus said, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, Lord, God, he's praying to God the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. First Peter one three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Jesus is risen, we have hope. And the hope is given to us through a new birth and a imparting to us of spiritual life through faith in Jesus and his sacrifice. And it's because of that that we have lo- hope in our lives. We don't have to live our lives in despair or without hope in a hopeless world. How many of you got any hope out of the news this week? Just full of hope, wasn't it? Ha, ha, ha. God tells us in the Bible that Jesus' resurrection is the foundation upon which we build our hope of eternal life. And our past can be forgiven. Our present problems can be managed. Because Jesus is alive, he is available. He is available to me to help me deal with the challenges of life. He said, I'm with you. My strength is your strength. My peace is your peace. I give it to you. Because of the hope that you have in Christ's resurrection, your future can be secured. And I guess I ask you today what does your hope of heaven rest upon? Have you secured your eternity? Oh, you may have a big insurance policy. Your 401k may or may not be healthy. But how about your soul? What is your hope of eternity built upon? Jesus said there's only one way. It's through faith in His sacrificial death and resurrection. Listen to His words. Would you read it with me, please? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Why did God send His Son? That whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. Why are people condemned? Because they've not believed. Because they reject Jesus Christ. They reject his sacrifice on the cross. And whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. Would you bow with me in prayer? Today, if you are one who came in the door and you have not settled the issue of eternity, you have not put your trust in Christ's sacrifice for your sin and trusted in his resurrection, I invite you to pray with me today this this prayer. Dear God, I'm tired of carrying the guilt of my sin. I realize that my problems are too big for me to handle on my own. And I realize that I can't earn my way into heaven. And today, God, I want to tell you that I believe. I believe Jesus, your son, died for my sin. And I believe that he came back to life. And I place my trust today not in me, but in Jesus. And I agree with you that he is the source of eternal life. And I thank you for forgiveness. And I thank you for the gift of life that will never end, a relationship that will last forever, a hope that will never dim. And Lord, I pray these things in the Powerful name of Jesus. Amen.